Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the 48th episode of District of Conservation. I hope you're enjoying the content we are putting out and thinking about ways that you can get involved in the conservation debate. As always, I'd like to thank Real Camel Girl for sponsoring the series since the beginning. It's a great group of women who love hunting, fishing, shooting sports, and the like. And you can learn more about them at realcamelgirl.com. Today's episode is going to focus in on Congress returning from August recess and whether or not they will deliberate gun control policies as expected, whether or not cannibalism is a solution for combating climate change and environmental problems. Some people are arguing this and it's preposterous and we're going to dissect why it's ludicrous to even suggest such. And we're going to talk about the $170 million that are going to be going towards land and water conservation fund projects. Here we go. Congress is back in session, for those of you who are unaware, and a lot happened during August. Three unfortunate, tragic mass shootings occurred in Dayton, Ohio, El Paso, and Odessa, Texas, and that caused a huge firestorm and lots of calls to ban guns. Myself and plenty of others have cautioned people against making such a hasty decision, especially as more revelations came out that these particular mass shooters were prohibited possessors and they shouldn't have had guns and that further gun control legislation wouldn't have had any effect on these crimes and whether or not they transpired. And the Democrats in both the House and the Senate are very adamant about pushing two very interesting but dangerous pieces of legislation. One... There are two versions of this. There's a House and a Senate version is the assault weapons ban of 2019. Uh, The Senate version is proposed by Dianne Feinstein, my former senator, and David Sicilian from Rhode Island in the House. And both of these bills largely echo one another in their texts. And I'm going to cite those in the show notes for you so you can follow what I'm saying. But essentially what it is, without wading too much into the text, it's very arcane and confusing. So I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version as to what is in it. Essentially what both of these versions of the bill contain is provisions to ban most semi-automatic firearms and rifles, especially the AR-15. You can go ahead and read that for yourself, but you should be aware of that. If they were to have debate on this, they would not concretely spell out what the heck is in both of these bills. And when you peruse through the language, you're going to see for yourself that these efforts, this this bill in particular in both the House and the Senate, is a legitimate attempt to ban legal weapons, which are legally acquired by much of the American populace. Again, most gun control policies, hate to say this, hate to be brash about this, they don't work. Where are the calls to address mental health reform to enforce existing laws in place 
to perhaps examine certain institutions that may be to blame for having certain individuals who perpetrate these crimes get glossed over or ignored. Today, I also, as an aside, have a review of Why Meadow Died, which is a book by Andrew Pollock and Max Eden. This book really breaks down what the problem was in that very preventable mass shooting that happened in Parkland, Florida, Valentine's Day of last year. I suggest reading books like that, confiding in reporters like Stephen Gutowski and others who are exposing and writing about what the problem is with these mass shooters and why they continue to do this. And the Democrats do not seem serious about tackling this. And any Republican who goes along these proposals, which would not respect due process rights, if it were to be a bill to so-called strengthen background checks and things of that sort, Republicans who go along this should be ashamed of themselves. And both Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell and Senator Roy Blunt have said if President Trump okays any of the legislation that is being molded and considered, that then they will have a debate about it on the Senate floor, specifically Mitch McConnell. And President Trump, if you guys remember last month, walked back on comments about pushing universal background checks and unvetted red flag laws and more so focused on mental health. So having heard the president's remarks on the subject and also hearing from other members of Congress, it can be surmised that most likely and thankfully these bills hopefully will not be heard likely in the house of representatives. Yes, because it's controlled by Democrats who are keen on pushing gun confiscation, but in the Senate, you won't see this. And if you don't have both the house and the Senate pass versions of the bill in reconciliation, this doesn't go to the president's desk. So I don't see this happening, but you still have to be very vigilant and ensure that this does not pass. So if you're concerned and you think it's going to abridge people's rights and not go after criminals, which is what it's aimed to do, it doesn't go after the criminals, it just goes after law-abiding people, the bills don't indicate seriousness about addressing this problem, which goes beyond the type of weapon used in these ghastly acts. So act accordingly, know exactly what it is, and read what both of those bills are. To save the planet... One Swedish scientist is suggesting that we must start engaging in cannibalism to curb climate change and to better the environment. Yes, you heard that right. Cannibalism. To most people, that would be preposterous and ludicrous to even contemplate doing this. Historically, look what happened when people partook in cannibalism. The Donner Party, that didn't end well for them. In Soviet Ukraine, when collectivization was forced on millions of people and ultimately led to their death, one of the consequences of collectivization was destitution and people in Ukraine forcing themselves to partake in cannibalism and even the black market of cannibalism and selling that to meet grain quotas and meat quotas. And there are instances in Papua New Guinea where people who partook in, they succumbed to an illness and ultimately died because of the toxin contained in human flesh ultimately overcomes and overpowers them and and kills them on the spot. So there's historical precedents for not eating human flesh. It's crazy that we even have to debate this and the fact that the ways that people are trying to tackle environmental issues comes at the expense of red meat consumption or meat consumption in general You have the UN starting to put up papers suggesting that if people all over the world just started to reduce their red meat consumption, then we can curb the tide of climate change and the environment will be better. The Economist even lamented 
that, yes, while it's great that people in third world countries are eating red meat, it's horrible. It doesn't bode well for the environment because they're eating meat. That's a pretty neo-colonialist claim, an insult to people who want to transition into second and first world societies. And this whole talk of cannibalism from this guy, I, I have it written down at uh, The Resurgence. So you can read it there. It's preposterous. Again, it detracts from the serious problems and perpetuates this alarmism that has been seeping into the discussion about environmentalism and how to promote conservation. And these people need to be rightly called out and the seriousness of the debate has to be retaken. So it is my hope that from reading this story, however bizarre it is, that you actually try to foster debate and force people to intelligibly and rightfully debate the actual concerns of the environment. I'm going to conclude the podcast today with a more positive note because talking about cannibalism and gun control will leave you feeling very uneasy. But the Department of Interior recently announced that it's going to be appropriating $170.6 million to support the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And I've talked at great length about the LWCF in the past and what this move will do according to uh, Secretary Bernhardt's proposal, is support state parks and outdoor recreation through this existing fund. And this is going to go back to all 50 states, five U.S. territories, and the District of Columbia for outdoor recreation and conservation projects. And it should be known that these funds are accrued and obtained from oil and gas royalties that are collected from federal leases on oil and gas sites on the outer continental shelf and it doesn't come at the expense of the American taxpayer dollar and it's appropriated and issued out through matching federal grants administered by the National Park Service. Here's what Secretary Bernhardt said about this. Using zero taxpayer dollars, LWCF invests earnings from offshore oil and gas leasing to help rehabilitate and improve infrastructure at state and local parks and other recreation areas, he said. Funds will also be used to maximize access by opening up landlocked public lands. A small investment in a strip of land can open up thousands of acres to outdoor recreation enthusiasts, end quote. And as you guys know, as I previously discussed, this was established in 1964. It was just permanently reauthorized, if I'm not mistaken. It was un almost unanimously passed in the Senate. It was definitely unanimously passed in the House of Representatives. And it has appropriated more than $4.4 billion to go back to state and local governments to fund over 46,000 projects of the outdoor variety for hikers, bikers, anglers, hunters, things of that sort. So this is a really cool thing. And if anyone had doubts about this administration promoting a conservation agenda, look no further than this latest move to increase funding for this critical program. What topics would you like to hear on District of Conservation going forward? I'm going to be having more interviews with interesting outdoor newsmakers and influencers and writers in the coming future and more politicians. We're going to be having a lot of them come on this fall, if I'm not mistaken. I've been told that some people have expressed the willingness to come on and talk about what they're up to in Congress, especially Republican lawmakers and what they're hoping to do with conservation. If you feel inclined, leave us a five-star review, subscribe, and download past episodes to make District of Conservation go far and wide. Any effort you do helps us go a long way. 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat and to learn who future guests and what interesting topics we'll be discussing here. Thank you for listening and check us out on Apple Podcasts.